This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the soul of excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Attention Bo Scouts. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the soul of excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly. And good afternoon and welcome to the Bo Snurdly Rush Hour. I am Anthony Weiner filling in for James Golden today. I'll be with you until 5. When I hand off the microphone to John Katsimatidis for the top-rated TriCast, Cats at Night. We have a great show today. We've got Diego, Joe, Avery on the other side of the glass. And you can hear us anywhere on the East Coast, 77 WABC, on the good old-fashioned terrestrial radio. You can download the app or listen to us online. And it is such an honor to be with you today. We have a great show lined up. We're going to talk about the Jets and Giants' chances. We talk about lying politicians, perhaps Ironic that I'm here to talk about that. And we're going to also have a, a week-long feature that we're going to do on the controversies of the year, the good arguments of the year, the issues that have got us chattering the most this year. And as part of that, we'll be joined by Jason Chaffetz, congressman from Utah, former congressman from Utah, former chair of the Oversight Committee, Fox News, podcast host, friend of mine from my days in the House. I have to tell you, it is a real honor for me to be with you today filling in for a real giant here at the station, one of my favorite shows. Uh, some of you may hear me on Saturdays. I do a show called The Middle uh, every Saturday from 2 to 3, and then Curtis Lee and I do a show from 3 to 4 called Left Versus Right. But even though it's a holiday, even though it's a little slower today, it is a real step up to be doing a weekday show, particularly in this hour when it's, you know, let's face it, weekend shows are a little bit more relaxed. And, yeah, I'm not saying that I'm being thrown into the middle of the action, the middle of the week, in the middle of the busiest time of the year. But this is a great honor for me. And um, and James Golden, is, it's, it's a, an amazing show, and it's one of the ones that I listen to. So being here, you know, and on Friday, I spent a fair amount of time catching up on where I've been and on my journey to brought me to this place, on my struggles, and a little bit about the issues of the day. We wound up getting a lot of calls. Maybe it's because of the, the time of the year. People were heading away for the holidays. Uh, we did a lot. We got a lot of calls about addiction and recovery. And of course, anyone who wants to still call in and ask me questions about that or give me a hard time about it, they're certainly welcome. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. You can also get to me at at Rep Wiener, R-E-P-W-E-I-N-E-R, or Wiener, W-A-B-C at gmail.com. And, um, you know, but I tell you, you know, 
we're going to talk more about issues today. This is your show. It's not mine. I'm just a grateful visitor. Um, but I have to tell you that I'm like going to be following the advice that Margo Katsimatidis gave me just before I went on the air on Friday. You know, I said, like, how much should I talk about my history? How much should I talk about, you know, other stuff that's going on in my life? And she said, give me very short advice. She said, introduce yourself and then be yourself. And I am going to try to, to take that to heart. Um, Nothing is more important on this day, the day after Christmas weekend. Technically, this is the holiday today. I think it's called Boxing Day in Great Britain. I'm not 100% sure why, maybe because the boxes from the gifts are all on the floor. Hanukkah ended last night. Jordan got his last round of Hanukkah presents. He woke up this morning wondering when the next gifting was going to be. I, I mentioned this on the weekend show. He has a December 21st birthday. So since his birthday falls kind of during Christmas rush, we have a party for him earlier. He turned 11 earlier when his friends are still in town. So starting the beginning of December, clear through Hanukkah, clear through Christmas, clear through his birthday, he basically spends a month just getting gifts every day, and he's come to expect it. But nothing is more important than my woeful New York Jets and their amazing near-perfect weekend. I say, unless you unless you count the horrible loss to Jacksonville, I mean, one of the worst performances I think I've ever seen. The defense wasn't that much better than the offense, but the offense was just horrible. You know, Joe, who's on the board today, uh, said he would he he was a better he would have been a better quarterback than Wilson. We have the worst quarterback in the league yet because of losses by the Patriots, the Browns, the Titans, the Raiders, and yesterday the Dolphins. Do you know how easy our path to the playoffs is? We have to do two things. We have to beat the Seahawks. I say we. I, I am not gonna be suiting up. We have to beat the Seahawks, and we have to beat the Dolphins, period. And then the Pats have to do something that I think they're more very likely to do: lose to the Bills and lose to the Dolphins, and boom, we're in. Okay, so it's not it's not it's not as simple as the Giants. But the Giants just have to beat the Colts, and the Colts are not a good ball team, and they are in. But it isn't it amazing? Now it's helped a little bit. Mike White. Not only did they announce that Mike White is going to be starting, that his ribs are healed, but Flacco is going to be backing him up. And Wilson is going to be the number. I guess I don't know. Wilson is he going to be holding the clipboard again? Is he even going to be suiting up? Or I don't know what he's going to be doing. I don't know about that decision. Flacco was horrible when when he. When, I mean, he didn't even look like a quarterback anymore. So anyway, it, we're alive. It's amazing, but we're alive. Um, and another in other unbelievable news, we have the curious cases of Lester Chang and George Santos right here in the New York metropolitan area. And 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. These are, these are two political stories, the likes of which you don't see all that often. First, you have Lester Chang, guy runs for assembly, fine, gets elected assembly as a Republican in a traditionally Democratic part of Brooklyn. He was part of the red wave that didn't hit the country but did hit our state. The only problem is he didn't live in Brooklyn. Still doesn't live in Brooklyn, I hate to tell you. He might live with his mom. I mean, I know Curtis swears up and down. He he does. He has a rent-stabilized apartment in Manhattan. And part of having a rent-stabilized apartment, you have to sign a thing every year saying, I swear this is my full-time residence, you know, because you can't have a second apartment. Um, That's not allowed. And so the legislature is going to figure out whether to seat him. And then this guy, George Santos, holy cow. This guy got elected in Nassau and parts of, of Queens. Gay guy, Trump supporter. Real estate magnate, worked at Goldman Sachs, worked at Citibank. Interesting background. His grandmother was Jewish, was a Holocaust survivor. Except that his resume was almost entirely made up. Um, 
You know, I'm not a guy who says, show me your birth certificate, <laughs> but I don't even know if he's an American citizen. His background's a banker made up. His background is a real estate tycoon made up. His background, um, his back, he, he even said crazy things like he lost employees at, at that, uh, Pulse nightclub shooting. Didn't, wasn't true. Ran an animal charity. Not true. So he is not anything that he says. So now what? Um, well, first of all, let me just say this, and this may be somewhat counterintuitive, and um, and it's it's Anthony Weiner in for Bo Snerdly. This may be counterintuitive. I don't think t- politicians lie that much. Now, politicians lie like in circumstances like mine. I did something embarrassing, and I got caught, and I was embarrassed by it, so I lied about it. But I'm talking about things like that. I'm saying, you know, people say, oh, politicians lie all the time. No, what politicians often say is stuff that we know is probably not true. Like, you know, when someone says – you know, something about the state of the economy or state of the border or say, you know, that we disagree with. But that's not the same as lying, because the stakes are pretty high when you're a politician. If you just say something that's not true, it's so many things are easy to check how you voted, where your money came from and things like that. Things are relatively easy to check. And, you know, and politicians are frequently held accountable for the things they say at the ballot box. You know, your opponent will point out something if you lied about it. Well, that brings us to these cases. Hey, I got bad news for my Democratic friends. Your chance to catch these things were before the election. The ultimate authority on whether someone has done something wrong in the context of an election is the election. If you think someone didn't live where he said he's supposed to have lived, the time to challenge that is before the election. And there's all kinds of ways to do that. And lawsuits all the time challenging where someone lives. If you think that someone... Uh, lied about their resume, well, do some research. Read your local newspaper. Ask his opponent. In all of those cases, was a, it was a failure. Newsday was asleep at the switch, the local newspaper. His opponent did a lousy job. His opponent was focusing, oh, he, he's a Trump supporter and he support, he, you know, he'd get, uh, um, abortion or whatever it is, the, the national issues. The National Party, I got to tell you, New York looks worse and worse. New, the New York Democratic Party looks worse and worse every every week with this thing. You know, we were the reason that the House went Republican because we lost so many seats here because of our greedy redistricting play. And then, and I say we because I'm a partisan Democrat, for those of you who are <laughs> who are new to my biography. But I am a guy who's a fairly centrist, common sense kind of guy. Our chance to ca- catch these guys is before the voters have their say. Once the voters have their say, we respect it. It's got to be. Now, if he committed a crime, if he did something illegal, well, that's not the voters' job anyway. And that you can lose your seat by going to prison at any at any time. But that's why, by the way, every once in a while you'll read a story of some guy that runs for office from prison or runs from office after he's been indicted or a guy like Buddy Cianci, the famous mayor in, of, of Providence, who – who starts running from, from, for re-election in prison and he comes out and he basically, it's like nothing ever happened. That's why still sometimes people say to me, despite the fact that I have a prisoner, they say, you know, you should go run for something. Is because the voters are seen as that's the place that you go and appeal at election time. So George Santos, whatever his true story is, he's the congressman for that district. Uh, Lester Chang, whatever his true story is, he's the kind of and I, and I would just urge my Democratic friends who will have the the ability to, to decide that Lester Chang's seat is vacant not to do it. I just think that's unfair. And as far as George Santos, I will eat this table if you think that Kevin McCarthy and the Republicans who have a four-seat majority are going to call for a new election. That's not happening.
But I am interested in hearing George Santos' story. That's for sure. Um, so that's, I mean, you know, again, it's, it's a crazy, I got really lucky. Usually this week is a really slow news week, but within the big omnibus bill that we talked about on Friday, uh, with, with George Santos, I mean, these are some, some crazy things. And so what we're going to do this week is we're going to do something that you heard Mayor Giuliani talk about, kind of like try to think about what the stories are. But I'm going to go about it a little differently. As someone who is a partisan but someone who has a show called The Middle, I'm going to try to find issues that are interesting. And what they have in common is that the loud voices on each side have dominated the discussion about them. And I am going to try to, this week, highlight uh, some of the giant spaces in the middle, some of the places that, you know, and I haven't decided on the list yet. And if you want to weigh in on what that list should be, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. I think Avery's on the, on the calls. You can always, um, I guess you can tweet at us. You know, I think I'm being shadow banned or something. Uh, but here's roughly what I have worked out. Leaving aside the issue that we're going to do today, I thought, like immigration, we should do one on that. I've done it a few times on the middle. The left and the right are at each other's throat about it. Frankly, there's a big space in the middle for a basically compromise. Crime, I hope to have Mayor Adams on the show for that. I was thinking of doing a show on the rise and fall of Trump in the – in the Dem- in the Republican Party, kind of mix that in with the with what went on, went on in the midterms, because I'm you know you might be surprised to see that I'm an, uh, I'm not a big fan of Trump, and obviously I didn't vote for him, and he's not a big fan of mine. Um, but I do think this kind of abandonment of him, like the moment like anything gets read, suddenly people are jumping off the ship, and I don't know, maybe something about the economy and inflation, because again that's another place that has a lot of space in the middle. Uh, and the issue we're going to do today, if you haven't figured out by the process of elimination and you don't know um, anything about about me and my obsession with this one particular issue, when we get back, um, I'm going to tell you the first issue that we're going to have on what we're calling, I haven't figured out what to call it. We made a really great sounder for it, but we haven't decided what what to call it yet, but I'm going to call it basically the arguments of 2022 that we hope that we like or we want to continue or we think have been helpful. Um, but we're going to go to a break and we come back. We'll get to the first of those issues. I'll play you the great new sounder that Chris Libertini came up with. And we'll also uh, have a chance to hear from our guest, the great Jason Chaffetz. It's so great to have you along. This is Anthony Weiner filling in for James Gold on the Boston Early Rush Hour, and we'll see you on the other side. This is the Rush Hour with Bose Nerdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
And welcome back to the post-nerdly rush hour. This is Anthony Weiner filling in for James Golden today. I'll be here until 5 o'clock when Cats at Night comes on board. Download the app to listen to us, wbcradio.com. All right, so here we go. I said this week, every day this week, I wanted to do one of the big issues of the week and one that I thought I had something to add something to, something that fills in with my philosophy of the left and the right are just dominating every discussion, and there are some discussions that I think should find some space in the middle. And I knew that if we were going to do a special type of thing, I needed some sound to go with it. So let's hear it, Joe. This is 2022 in review. Oh, that's good. And you see the echo in review, in review. I totally get it. So what was my single favorite issue to argue about and to talk about and to delve into? Well, obviously, Hunter Biden and Twitter. I am obsessed with this issue. I'm going to tell you why, because it has elements of all the stuff that I like. And by the way, this is the issue that I called Jason Chaffetz to come on the show about. He's going to be on in about, you know, he'll be at the the bottom of the hour. He'll come on. He's a perfect person to talk about this because he's a Fox News host, but also he's the chairman of the Oversight Committee. This is the kind of thing that was right down his alley. So this has politics, which, of course, I like. It has media, you know, that how the media, not only how the media pursues a story, but how they decide how to promote a story. It has technology. It's got, you know, Twitter and how things get around the globe. Even has an element of addiction and recovery. Hunter Biden was clearly, you know, clearly an addict. But mostly because it seems, as I said earlier, to be one of those issues that the hard right and the wacky left have both have a blind spot about. The right is taking a story that is crazy enough and polluting it with a bunch of conspiracy theories. And the left is calling the whole thing a conspiracy theory and ignoring the fact that this is a real legitimate story. And as you may know, I, I've done done stories about, I've done episodes about this both on on the middle and also on the middle unplugged my podcast that is on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You got to go down and download that separately from the middle. Great episode that's up right now about a different media company, TikTok, and the danger that they pose because of their links to China and the things they're doing to our children's minds. But anyway, I consider myself one of radio's foremost authorities on Hunter Biden's laptop. And here's my summary. And we can get into any of this that you want, 800-84-WBC. We're going to talk about one element of this with Jason Chaffetz. Hunter Biden's behavior, based on everything I've read on this laptop, and I've read left and right on it, but I've read the actual, like whatever source documents I can find, his behavior was slimy. He clearly traded on his family's name. He clearly was paid more money because his name was Biden. He clearly used the Biden name all all the places that he could. He likely did things that were illegal. I say that because they were just given his actions recently, paying back taxes suddenly, et cetera. And I frankly expect that he'll be indicted. The U.S. attorney that's investigating this, the U.S. attorney in Delaware, is a Trump appointee that has had access to this case for quite some time. People say, well, it's taking him so long. I don't know what's taking him so long. I remember when it was my case, you know, I was also indicted and, and I was indicted under Trump. It moved like Sometimes it seemed like it moved like grease lightning. Sometimes it didn't move quickly at all. The second thing I would tell you was that Hunter Biden, based on everything that I saw, was what we call a low-bottom addict, meaning someone who was in really, really bad shape. And this thing documented both his addiction, uh, and, you know, the laptop had pictures, had 
bank statements, had emails of him asking for money, all this other kind of stuff, had emails going to prostitutes and all this. Other. But also, I, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't read all his book. I read a good portion. Of it. Also, the, the, you know, he talks about his recovery and his addiction in that book. And I think, back, frankly, as someone who has struggled, it, 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 I, I, a lot of it resonates. So we know that. We know that the links to his father – or this is what I believe. The links to his father, the president, from the laptop are wafer thin. And maybe more comes out. Maybe the U.S. attorney comes out with more stuff. But what I've seen on the laptop doesn't show wrongdoing by his father. You've got basically one email that Hunter Biden is cc'd on, not even from him, not even to him, that doesn't refer to, to Joe Biden. It refers to someone called the big guy and it was about – a a company that never got off the ground, that was never the deal, a deal that never happened. And one guy who's got, who says he has information on his cell phone, this guy, Bob Alinsky, who when he showed it to, not to anyone, showed it to Fox News, he showed it to Wall Street Journal, they both said there's, not, there's no there there. And that guy's been interviewed by the FBI, who knows? Maybe, there, maybe there's more to come out. But based on what's on the laptop, the link to Joe Biden is very, very tenuous at best. And I can say this as part of my summary of this. Twitter was very wrong to ban the New York Post and to try to limit distribution of the story. And they admitted as much. They reversed it, but it was a big mistake. This is the New York Post. I have no great fondness for the New York Post. They're a, you know, right wing. They came after me. Everything I do, they, they hawk, they hound me and whatever. I'm not a big fan, but they're a major journalistic enterprise. And as, you know, they, that was a mistake. It was a big mistake. And I said, uh, you know, and it, it, it was a big mistake. But what I want to focus on today and what I want to focus with Jason Chaffetz with is a part of the conversation that has gotten much louder since Elon Musk bought Twitter and is more information that's come out. Is were there improper proper efforts on the part of the government to stop the story or to censor somebody? Um. One thing to keep in mind around all of this stuff is this isn't a freedom of speech case, per se. The First Amendment is about government telling you what you can and can't say. Um, this is a private company. They get to decide how its users behave and if they want you to stay on it. They don't like what you're saying? They can ban you from their platform. That They can totally do that. If they think you're being racist, if they think you're being sexist if they think you're being improper and they're a commercial enterprise their job is to create something that makes money and they make money by selling advertising space anyone who sells advertising space makes judgments all the time or what they have around their advertisements all the time so the first thing to get out of our heads is that twitter is on some kind of obligation to keep anthony weiner on their platform i could care less and by the way Twitter's owned by a guy who's who's conservative who said vote for Republicans and he's uh, he's whatever. Knock him, knock him out. I mean, knock yourself out. I don't care. I don't know why everyone on the left is so freaked out. Who cares? Stay on. Get off. Do don't. Okay, yeah, he's a conservative guy. There are pizza. There, are, I'm sure there are pizzerias that are very you know very conservative owners. I don't have to buy the pizza there. But this issue that. I think people are misunderstanding is what was going on with the FBI, with our intelligence agencies, and with our country at the time this was going on in 2020. And that is in 2016, and then again in 2020, foreign countries were trying to use social media to disrupt our elections. That is a fact at this point. 
It is confirmed by Trump officials. It is confirmed by Republicans in the Senate. It's not a partisan fact. It is a partisan statement. It is a fact. They did it in 2016. And they were trying to do it again based on all of the intelligence reports in 2020. And just the same way the FBI would go to a utility company and say, we think that the Chinese are trying to hack into the utility grid and here are the five or six things you should be on the lookout for. Or just like it would go to the post office and the postal police would open up packages if they thought someone was trying to send in cigarettes or send in guns or anything else. That happens all the time. And what we have learned now is that the FBI, in the midst of an election where they said we're not going to get fooled again, they went into Twitter, Facebook, and all these other places and said, here are the things to be looking out for. Be looked after last-minute surprises. Look after anything that seems like it's targeting one opponent or another. Look after things that have sketchy sources. Look at things that, 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 yeah, you know, just, just don't smell right. And along comes a blind, a blind PC repairman who offers this stuff to a bunch of members of Congress who all say, no, we believe it's baloney, who then give it to one lawyer who gives it to one newspaper and refuses to share it with any other news outlet. Looks sus, looks suspicious. And, you know, we want to wrap conspiracy around things. Oh, and also, you know, so all these, and I've read every single one of these Twitter files kinds of things. And all of them have FBI agents and other security agencies saying stuff, but none of them have say don't put stuff on the air. They said, here's the things to look out for. And that's what they were paid to do. Nowadays, if you're going to invade our country, you're not going to come in with an air, with a, a, a with a, 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 an aircraft carrier. You're going to do it through social media. That's how you do it. That's where we're all sucked in. That's why I'm so concerned about TikTok, by the way, which is owned by the Chinese. And when we come back, I want to I want to have a conversation about this element. I'll, I'm willing, by the way, 800-84-WABC to talk about any of the other stuff. I'm just, this is now the new direction that this conversation has gone in. And I know we're in this period of distrust of the FBI. I get it. I know we have a Twitter, a guy who owns Twitter who's conservative. I get it. None of those things uh, I'm concerned about. I think they're both healthy. But when we come back, we're going to have a guest on Jason Chaffetz, former member of Congress, who has a very different view, and he's a very interesting guy, has a podcast of his own. So stick with us, 800-848-WEC. This is Anthony Weiner filling in for James Golden. We'll see you on the other side. This is The Rush Hour with those Nerdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And welcome back. This is Anthony Weiner in for James Golden. Mark Knopfler and Emily Harris bring us back in. We're talking about Twitter, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. In particular, trying to focus on on what Lydia's package was about just before we came in here. You know, the idea that there was a big conspiracy by the FBI to cover stuff up and the point that I have made and 
is that, look, the FBI was doing what the FBI should have been doing in 2020 based on everything that we know and knew. And I want to bring in someone who is a great authority on this and also um, a friend, Jason Chaffetz, member of Congress from 2008, I think. He quickly rose to be the chair of the Oversight Committee in an embarrassingly fast way. I think it was his, only his, second, his third term, I think, when he was already a chairman of that committee. He now is the author of books, including They Never Let a Crisis Go to Waste and the Jason at Home podcast. I want to welcome to the show Jason Chaffetz. Jason, welcome aboard, pal. Hey, thanks for having me on. Good to chat with you. It's my Happy pleasure. Holidays. It's my pleasure. Yeah. Same to you. A Merry Christmas. So, so Jason, you were the you were the chair of the Oversight Committee, the new chair of the Oversight Committee. Uh, a guy named Comer has announced that one of the first things they did, one of the first press conferences that the the new Republican majority had, was to announce they were going to pursue this Hunter Biden laptop case. And um, I just want to want to get your insight on whether you think. Whether you think the, I mean, what do you think is at the crux of what the accusation is? Not against Hunter Biden, because he's, that's going to be prosecuted. Not against Joe Biden, because again, there is part. But what do you think, if you were going to do oversight on the FBI's role here, what would your focus be? What would your concern be? Well, the FBI was given this laptop for months and months and months and months and evidently didn't really do anything about it. That, that's not apparent. So that's the first question. Okay. What did you do with it? But this task force that's set up that's supposed to be dealing with foreign intelligence operatives, you know, doing surreptitious things here in the United States. Did you find anything? Did you charge anybody? Was there any violation? Where it starts to step over the line, having heard part of the report earlier before the commercial break, Anthony, is it ends up that they were using uh, violations of terms of service to make a suggestion that these people ought to be suppressed, their accounts ought to be looked at, if not taken down. Are you kidding me? We're using law enforcement to look at terms of service as opposed to breaking up a law? I mean, you know as well as anybody that under Section 230, Twitter has liability protections. And they they, they aren't in violation of the law by reprinting or uh, disseminating this information. So what exactly, FBI, were you looking at and doing? And why did you have this dragnet of people out there? And again, we're just looking at, at you know, talking about Twitter. There's all these other social media companies out there, too. Wait till they start peeling back Facebook and everybody else. It really does seem like it was an effort to change the direction of an election. But let me let me just, just ask you a couple things. First of all, you said, what did you find? Well, Two dozen Russian operatives were have indictments hanging over their heads right now. After the Mueller report found that, that I mean, they were that we have been charges for for trying to influence the election of 2016. Yes. And that's the kind of stuff they should be doing. Amen. Hats off to you. More power to you. Let's let's get that going. Do it. Well, so are, great. But then they ramped it up. And as the Twitter files show that Elon Musk is unveiling, not only did you have 80 FBI agents, you had the CIA, you had other departments and agencies in there. In fact, James Baker, who used to be the general counsel at the FBI, makes comments about how many different government agencies are coming at Twitter saying, hey, you got to do this, you got to do that, want to do this, do this, do that. Well, I, I'm not sure, but I don't, I'm not sure. Let's try to get to the bottom of this part of it. Yeah, we were throwing all kinds of government resources on trying to avoid what happened when our country was effectively, effectively attacked 
in a cyber way in 2016. You had the Senate report, House, the Senate report where Democrats and Republicans agreed. The, 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 the National Security Council was involved. Yeah, we had a lot of people working on this issue because of the threat that we had seen come to pass in 2016. What is, you say there's 80 and there's more than one agency, but is the, the question comes down to what they were trying to do was to warn these companies that their commercial companies were being used as, as tools against our citizenry. Why isn't that exactly what they should be doing? Because when they're talking about and they're sending spreadsheets of people they believe violated terms of service, that's not their job. That, that's a whole different thing that, than what is the law that you think they were breaking? So are you okay? You charge? I'm not aware of anybody being charged or what? anybody being uh, above and beyond that. I'm talking in this latest batch, in the latest round over the last several years. I think it's a legitimate question. If you're going to throw so many resources at this Federal Bureau of Investigation and all these other department agencies, what did you come up with? Who did you charge? What yeah. laws were being broken? Well, I, I, I hear you. And as it turned out, the same way that we found out that the Hunter Biden laptop was a legitimate thing and it wasn't something from foreign interference, it did have all the trappings of it at the time, didn't it? I mean, you had – one media outlet that had it, they wouldn't share it with any others. Members of the United States Congress passed on it because they didn't think it was legitimate. Well, you... wait, stop right there. Yep. Stop right there. Part of the reason members of Congress were reluctant to take possession is that the allegation was that it, it contained child pornography. And if it has child pornography and you're in a possession, you're in violation of law. Well, no, at, at, so at the time. Goes, right. That's at the, why the question goes back to the Federal Bureau. Where the, and says, what is the disposition of this? What is going on with this? But there are so many things and factoids that were in there that were never in doubt. Nobody denied them. Hunter Biden didn't even deny them. Well, the so whole, but the, 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 but the, but let's, let's just remember just to, to get to the crux of, of, of my point, which is that how, what a suspicious way that this was being dealt with. You know, the, 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 Washington Post and New York Times, who both did stories at the time, this mythology that other outlets didn't do stories is, is just not true. But they said, we can't confirm any of this because no one will give us a copy of the laptop. That was suspicious, wasn't it? So what is wrong is we were talking specifically about Twitter is that a legitimate news organization is doing cover stories about this. They're not allowed to, to disseminate it on Twitter, even though Twitter has under Section 230, they're, they're immune from the liability of it, and people aren't allowed to pass it around and talk about it. And it ends up that it was true. hundred percent. Twitter did the wrong thing. But getting back to what I'm saying about the yeah. appearance that this, how this looked at the time. You see, because part of what, part of what, you know, you know, I don't know if you heard my introduction. My introduction is that the left is ignoring it when they shouldn't, when this is a legitimate issue, and the right is creating conspiracy theories when the actual story is pretty bad. And the actual story about what's in there about Hunter Biden, what's in there about about his his behavior, what's in there about fi- things that he didn't file, bank statements and like the amount that he was trading on his father's name and all that stuff. The stuff about the conspiracy to keep it quiet. You know, I guess my fundamental point is that in many ways people were acting as the way you might act if you were on high alert for foul play. And we were at that time. Wouldn't you agree? I think there is a place to put out such a warning, but it is not the place 
for them to suppress the story and do it in such a way to shut people down. And it wasn't just about the laptop. It was about COVID. I mean, the, the information that's coming out right now, you have doctors citing double-blind stories. You have you know, Harvard medical uh, doctors out there being suppressed, Stanford medical doctors not being able to challenge what the CDC is saying and so, being labeled as. I know, as, but, but that's, that's okay. Wrong. wrong or right. It's a private company. They can decide for themselves that they don't want stuff on their then platform. Why does the federal government come in and push them to do it? No, hold on a second. Let's, let's, let's make a distinction here. That, that the, the FBI in all of the Twitter emails that I, in all the Twitter texts that I have found, and by the way, if you really want to be transparent, Elon Musk, release it all. Don't give me like texted a, a, a tweet at a time from some reporter that you like. Release it all. We don't know what's in there, but for now, all we've seen is the FBI saying, this looks suspicious, this looks suspicious, this looks no different than if the FBI went to a power company and said, hey, we've seen some traffic along the grid that looks suspicious. Be on the lookout for it. That's the way it looks to me. I mean, you can't get me into an argument that Twitter should have banned them. I don't think they should have. But Twitter, if they want to not have a, a, um, anti-vaxxers on because they think it's bad business, well, that come on, you, you're a libertarian Republican. Do you really think it is the role funded, funded by the American taxpayers, by you and me paying taxes, for them to go in and start to push people because they don't like that it is against the current government, which happened to be the Biden administration, and in and coming out of the Trump administration, do you really think that that's where our federal department and agency – come on, they're the regulator. They're wearing badges. This is the FBI. But Jason, CIA, Jason, all come the on. time, time immemorial, people have been calling up publishers of newspapers and editors and saying, I don't like this story. Change it. That, that's what Twitter is now. And, 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 uh, and by the way, the Twitter files showed you had Republicans and Democrats that had back doors to, to the, to the Twitter brass. More Democrats, that's true. But, but all, but the point is, we have this expectation like Twitter is like somehow immune to having people call them up and say, hey, this is full of baloney, take it down. Yeah, they can take it down or not. They're probably, and they now. Are, they are immune. Yeah. Under Section 230, they are immune from, from any of the liability. They are. No, no, they totally, what, they, they, they totally what, are. They, they totally are. I, I, I get that. What, what, what I want you to appreciate is it almost always goes against Republicans and conservatives. I mean, it's just a stat, but 98-plus percent of Twitter employees, if they made a political donation, it went to a Democrat. Hmm. Okay, so they're, they're left-leaning. Why is it always the suppression of conservatives and Republicans? Fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Well, now, now you have a right-leaning guy. Who's who's suppressing the left side? So that's his. I don't mind it that much. I don't so think he's suppressing. Him. Well, he's, he's kicking. He's kicking off the Washington Post, the New York Times, MSNBC, Keith Overman. Come on, Keith Overman. That, that that's not what he's, he's using his dog to count. Come on, he's <laughs> on there just So listen, Jay. Really appreciate you. T- t- tell us a little bit. What, what is on the Jason in the House podcast this week? Uh, Clay Travis, he does Outkick. He's the Fox News contributor, but he's he's really into the world of sports. I like going in and diving into. How did people create this? How did they build it? Why did they think, you know, what were the experiences they had in life to get to the success that they had? That's what the Jason in the House podcast is all about. And it's uh, it's just a fun way to look back and say, wow, that's amazing. That's a great story. It's it's a really great podcast. I'm a subscriber. I encourage everyone to, who listens. If you want to follow Jason on Twitter, he's not shadow banned. I am. He's at, at Jason. <laughs> he's at, at Jason in the House, someone who I always thought was too smart for the House of Representatives. Jason Chaffetz, thank you so much for joining us today. 
Always good to chat with you. All right, take care, pal. And when we when you come back, we'll uh, take some calls. And I'm sure you're going to agree with me and not Jason. I'll see you on the other side. This is the Rush Hour with those Nerdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And it's Anthony Weiner filling in for James Golden and the Boston Early Rush Hour. I'll be here until 5, and then at the top of the hour, John Katsimatidis comes in with the Cats at Night show. 800 wabc We're talking about Twitter today. Talked a little bit about Congressman-elect Santos, who made up some stories. And um, the board is, is pretty busy. People like to, I love this issue. I love the issue of Twitter. You know, the one thing that Jason Chaffetz, who's great, I mean, I, I like Jason. Jason, I, if you want to have some fun, Google uh, Chaffetz Wiener Mohair. He and I did a, you know, we used to get together and try to do stuff that Democrats and Republicans can agree upon should be taken from the budget. We used to have, we used to have a subsidy program for mohair. Because back in the day, um, we used to make our military uniforms out of wool. And wool, I guess you need mohair to make wool. It's a special kind of sheep or a goat or I don't know what it is. Anyway, we, we've long since we don't don't make it out of wool anymore. We and we we don't need it to subsidize this industry anymore. It's a small subsidy, but the whole point we were making is that there is waste in government if you look for it. Uh, sure, it doesn't add up to a heck of a lot. You know, as I've said before on on my show, the federal government is like an insurance company with an army. You know, it's basically big expenditures for health insurance, big expenditures for retirement and social security, big expenditures for the, for the military, and everything else is pretty small. So having an eye for the media, you know, he's now working at Fox. I'm now working at the best radio station in the country. We decided if we're going to make this point, we had to bring some actual mohair goats. What are they called? Goats? I think they're – anyway. So we got these two from a local farm in Maryland. And if you go online, you can look. I actually posted it on Twitter. There's a picture of me and Jason Chaffetz standing, holding the horns of these two gnarly, long-haired, sheep-like creatures. And he did his job. <laughs> I didn't do mine. I lost the grip on the horn of the one I was holding on, and I got gored in front of the assembled media. Believe me, the story the story got widely covered because it's not often they see a couple of goats up on Capitol Hill. But Jason Chaffetz is a good guy. Um, we don't agree on just about anything. Our ideologies and politics are pretty far apart. Um, whom and I invited to our wedding. Re- we did a reception in Washington. We got married. He was invited, and um, he's a good guy. But uh, he did make one point about the laptop that I see that at least two people on the board wanted to talk about. He said, well, the FBI had the laptop for a long time. That's right. The FBI, as soon as this guy who had this this – Computer shop, legally blind. I mean, the story has so many weird things about it. Legally blind. Um, and so he couldn't I – mean, the simplest thing was just confirm that it was Hunter Biden who brought it in, but he couldn't do that. Anyway, lo- lo- long story short, the FBI has had it for a very long time. Now, I will say that that's not necessarily – we don't know what that means. Sometimes they'll do these investigations for a very, very long time. I mean, look at look at, you know – uh, uh, um, Mayor Giuliani's case lingered a long time. These cases sometimes linger a long time, and especially when you're going to bring charges against the son of the of the president. 
We don't know what that means. By the way, the FBI doesn't decide if you're going to charge someone. The U.S. attorney in Delaware makes that decision. And the U.S. attorney in Delaware, appointed by a Republican, not replaced by Joe Biden, um, has it. So so there you go. So let's go get to a couple of calls. Uh, let's go to Richie in the Bronx. Go ahead, Richie. Um, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, the social media companies um, obtained their uh, immunity from prosecution under Section 230 based upon their claim that they were just a bulletin board and did not uh, investigate the truthfulness or untruthfulness of whatever was posted on their bulletin board. Clearly, they have done that, and they have not lost, and there's no talk in the government about removing their immunity under Section 230. Yeah, it's a great question. Richard, great call. Thank you so much for calling in. So here's the situation. Section 230, although it's controversial, makes a certain amount of sense. And Richie laid out the framework pretty well. Basically, I said, it, Twitter says if we are, are liable for every statement on our, on our platform, you'll never have any social media platforms. You never have Facebook. You never, because it's impossible. Like for someone, if someone wrote something that was untrue about Richie on Facebook right now, he wanted to sue the company for transmitting it. He wouldn't be able to. But that doesn't mean that they're not a business and that it is in their business interest to decide one way or another to exclude some posts and include other posts. For example, what if they just said we're going to include posts that have hate or they'd include information about someone's home address or they're going to include information that lays out some crazy conspiracy theory or that leads to violence against our government? Gap, Nike. Verizon, these advertisers that they sell to will, will justifiably want to say, oh, we don't want to be here. And if you think that's wrong, look at some of the social media companies that have tried to be unregulated and unmoderated. No one goes on them. They're cesspools of hate. They're cesspools of disinformation. This is another point that Jason made that I think is kind of off the mark. If you're trying to have a place that you can reliably tell people they can come and get information that's useful to them, you're not going to have people who are trying to incite riots. These are complicated issues, no doubt about it. I would not want to run a, a, a Twitter, even though I'm, I'm one of the finalists to take over as CEO of Twitter, which would be ironic to say the best. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll see you tomorrow. And stick around. Cats at night from 5 to 6. And uh, hug your family today. Feel grateful. For those of you still celebrating Christmas, a happy Christmas.